Well, it's become a bit of a tradition here in the church each and every year, just after Thanksgiving and always more importantly, right after Black Friday, for us clergy to stand in front of all God's people and somehow try to remind and demand everyone to slow down during these next four weeks, during the season of Advent, as if that were somehow really possible, right? It is as if we truly expect you to be able to find your own way to stand up against the ever-growing tide of economy and expectations and personal excitement, which is building exponentially in a culture and a nation that every year begins to anticipate Christmas earlier and earlier before it arrives. Yet each year, we priests and preachers of the church tend to try it all over once again, especially on this first Sunday of Advent. We do it, and somehow, by the grace of God, all of you good people manage to find a way to patiently endure our holy wrath with some semblance of honor and respect. God bless you for doing that. I can only think that it is because you know that if you can just hold out for 10 or 15 minutes, all of our well-meaning Advent sermons, as always, will get finished, and this too shall pass. Well, I think all of you will be happy to know that I think I preached my last fire and brimstone sermon for the first Sunday of Advent about seven or eight years ago. I think I've been knocked down myself and washed away by this great rushing river a few too many times to ever expect anyone else to do the same. It's just become too unrealistic to expect anyone outside a monastery, convent, or a seminary to ever again be able to really live into this season of Advent the way the church wants us to do so. I'm certainly not trying to overlook or downplay the importance of this season in our faith, but I just don't see anything productive or beneficial anymore in raging about it to fellow Christians who I know are struggling just as much as anyone else. The truth is Advent has become just like everything else that we face as spiritual people in our faith. It is one more real challenge in this overly materialistic, constantly busy, secular world. For those of us in the church, these four weeks certainly can reward us if we're led to try and observe it as fully as we can. But I think it's become even more important for the church today to remind those of us who just can't manage it right now that Advent is still there for us, even if we can only find a few moments to fit it in over these upcoming weeks. As the rush to shop and fill in our calendars overwhelms us, this season is still here to be that one single component which can, if we let it, somehow keep us connected to our faith, to the Bible, and to deep worship that undergirds all of that. Advent is always the spiritual peace meant to help us remember what it is exactly we are meant to be preparing to celebrate in the first place. And isn't that something that we can all agree is desperately needed today, not just for your spiritual health, but for your physical and mental health as well? Because there are so many challenges that appear unexpectedly 
and can cause us to forget or absolutely lose the very heart of our intended direction. Today, so many of us actually find ourselves starting to feel upset and famished when all the lights and the decorations come up. Perhaps it's because we've lost someone whom we love and who we miss, and this season does little more than remind us of that which we no longer have. Or perhaps it's because it's just too overly taxing in our time or in our expenses, or usually in both. There's always the pressure to fit everything in and to get everyone in place and to not forget to buy gifts on top of all of that. And these are the things that can be enough to send anyone spinning out of control. So it is without question the church's seasonal responsibility to not beat us over the head with it, but to at least encourage us to remember that it is Advent and that there is something much deeper and more meaningful that is always there to reach out to us in the rush that surrounds us. Advent was never, ever intended to be a challenge to the joy that wants so desperately to rush towards us in the holiday season. Rather, these four weeks on our Christian calendar are simply meant to assist us as disciples of Jesus in making that joy even more powerful and meaningful when it fully arrives. It is for the sake of aiding our spirit in finding the rhythm and the focus we need and never to make anyone feel guilty for the struggle that all of us will always face. And it's because of this constant struggle, I'm never all that surprised when the very first readings we arrive at for the season of Advent are always filled with apocalyptic end-time descriptions and proclamations. This is already where we've been in our Bible readings over the last few weeks, and here we are again in the midst of Armageddon at the beginning of the self-proclaimed most wonderful time of the year. Jesus in Luke's gospel this morning is again describing signs that will spell out the end of the world as we know it. The gospel reads, there will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's some extremely intense reading for the first official weekend of the Christmas shopping and holiday season. Yet that's where the Bible wants to place us for real important reasons on this particular first day of the season. With this, there are always, I believe, two very important components for the church first to grapple with and to try to understand. One of those components is to move us back to the beginning, to the first advent, the coming of God with us in incarnation, the sole undercurrent of everything we are heading towards in Christmas and those 12 days of the Christmas tide. The second component is always to push us forward from that first advent 2,000 years ago to what will be the final advent when Christ will appear to us again. It is the message we hear every year in that traditional advent hymn, Lo, He Comes in Clouds Descending, the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory to end to the end of days to judge the living and the dead. 
But brothers and sisters, I also believe, as many before me, in a third component to the Advent season, a middle Advent that falls between the first and the second. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, the medieval saint of the 12th century who founded the Cistercian monastic order, wrote about this as one of the most important Advents for the here and now, the important impact that the Advent plays on our lives when he wrote it first long ago. Following St. Bernard, the most important Cistercian monk of the 20th century, and perhaps, as you all know, I think the most important mystic of our times, Thomas Merton, goes even further, describing the middle Advent this way. Merton writes, The present Advent is taking place at every moment in our own earthly lives as wayfarers. We awaken to the fact that every moment of time is a moment of judgment, that Christ is passing by and that we are judged by our awareness of his passing. If we join Christ and travel with him to the kingdom, the judgment becomes for us salvation. But if we neglect him and let him go by, our neglect is our condemnation. I think Thomas Merton gets it right here. Whether we feel it or not, this is the advent that we are always in the middle of in our lives today. We face a world, its joys and sadness, its peace and violence, its progress and its regression, all with Jesus Christ standing next to us, Jesus walking in front of us and behind us, Jesus approaching us and passing by us, whether we recognize him and know it or not. And the great struggle of our Christian lives right now is to be able to see him coming and to make the important decisions in the life we face to follow after him to experience the advent of now, and as Merton writes, to follow Jesus to the kingdom of God, which leads to salvation. That's what the gospel is also pointing us to, I believe, this morning at the opening of this eternal advent that is as much about us right here and right now as it is about what has passed or what is ahead of us. The gospel of Luke continues, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. Isn't all of those things that can be drowning us in the emerging holiday flood rising in front of us, tides of spending and of poorness, of drunkenness and of the worries in this life, isn't all of that what we face and must be aware of? And the gospel concludes by saying, be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is telling us here to always be on our guard and keep watch for what is coming. That isn't just direction for the past, nor is it for some future that isn't here yet. That is spiritual direction for us in the advent that is right here wherever we find ourselves. So good people of God, there should be no scolding during this season, nor should there be any judgment. Instead, there should be encouragement and inspiration for all that which can keep us on guard and keep us alert, looking out for the coming of Jesus in every step of our journey of faith in this life. What is it? 
that you can do this Advent season to keep your watch for Jesus? What can you do with your heart and hands to keep calm in your walk with the Prince of Peace? What prayers can you say? What songs can you sing? What adjustments can you make? Not to stop Christmas from arriving too early, but to be alert always for the God of God and the King of Kings who is wanting to come deeper into your lives. He who will come on clouds descending to set you right and also set right this struggling world. As St. Paul writes to us this morning and to the church in Thessalonica, May this be written on our hearts over these next 25, 26, 27 days. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Let us cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. For Emmanuel, our God, is coming. Amen.